2: There, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Kevin, as people can tell by the sound quality, we're back in studio, but we're back on our BS, as they say, because we're like just scrounging around the KTAR Arizona
1: Sports offices looking for a studio that we can use. We're in like the KTA. I don't know what the name of this is, but um, I think we've checked off like most of the studios now. This is great. Yeah, this is actually
2: where KTR records
1: most of the Hopefully day. Hopefully, we're
2: not have... on KTAR. That'd be bad. I always worry about that being in these studios. Yeah, I think we haven't done one yet in the actual Arizona Sports uh, studio, true. but I think that's it. Every other studio in this building we've hit. We should mention the date, Kevin. It is September 30th, Thursday, 11.17 a.m., in fact, is the time. So... We wanted to mention that because we're gonna start off the story with the biggest the biggest stories, start off the podcast there, and some of those could be dated by the time you hear this. Uh, we haven't podcasted in a month and a half or so. Well deserved break for you and I. You in fact are gonna be on an airplane in a couple of hours. Where are you going? Iowa. Ooh.
1: That's what everyone thinks the great of when Midwest. they think of a three day vacation. Yep. What are you doing? Visiting my friend Jeff, who is a Shout professor. Out Jeff. Yeah. He listens to this podcast. He does Professor at Iowa State. Go cyclones, go cyclones. S- Seneca Wallace,
2: shout out. You didn't <laughs> Brock expect. Brock Purdy. Here we go. Two minutes <laughs> in, we're mentioning Seneca Wallace. We're back, baby, like we never <laughs> left. So those two things that we're going to talk about are the extensions looming still. We do not have extensions for DeAndre Ayton, Mikel Bridges, or Landry Shaman. We we are not. We have not been mentioning. He is. His name has not come up much, but he is in this group as well. Um, I think that you and I, and then we have book uh, out with COVID. He could be back. Like I'm going to be at the facility in an hour. Like he could he could be back by then. So we'll see. But for now, uh, Kevin, I predicted on our podcast. I believe it was on our podcast where I thought the DeAndre deal was going to get done right away because I thought he was going to get the max. I thought it was kind of a consensus that he was going to get the max, and we were going to move from there. How are you reacting to all of this? Because I th- I feel like there's a certain level of no. It's fine. It's whatever negotiations are happening to actual legitimate curiosity and like this is kind of strange to actual somewhat panic like oh god please pay them where are you at uh in terms of like those three
1: stages i'm i'm a little concerned because i think when you just look at the dollar value of okay what's a max versus probably what he should be owed which is not in my mind is not exactly the max money then there's room for things to be talked about negotiations that sort of thing i i think that he's as we've discussed many times a difficult guy because you have a playoff run 22 games to say that's a max player um before that it's probably over 20 million if you're projecting this guy to get better so like how do you just set your register as far as evaluating that kind of player when you don't have sample sizes. So I think that's where this is at right now. I'm sure that's where it's at in a negotiation stage on either side. But yeah, it's a little concerning for me just because I think he's a guy you can't... Like, are you going to use him as a trade chip? Well, if he's under a max deal, like then you can still use him as a trade chip as assuming he's not just completely tanked off what we think he is. So I think that's where it has to start. And I think the Mikel and Landry things are probably follow-ups because you got to see where the biggest contract lies before you kind of project things.
2: Yeah, I'm going to say the most boring and non-controversial thing is that, and I tend to take this thought process more than others, is that, look, they could have just said, we're going to talk once the preseason is over and take like that little week before the deadline essentially and and then we'll we'll really hammer it maybe they had a couple of talks over the summer and they didn't really go well there hasn't really been much reporting at all in terms of negotiations going on to bring up what's happened this week media day was on Monday training camp started on Tuesday James Jones did not want to talk about it he kind of talked about it a little bit more with Burns and Gambo yesterday on Wednesday but again was not really saying that much DeAndre said he's gonna let his agents handle it Mikel hasn't been asked about it because I'm sure he would say the same thing. To be honest, and uh, I don't really know. I don't really know where we go from here in terms of analyzing what comes next. To be honest, because we're we're all just waiting. It's 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 just waiting. I think that's really it. And again, this is boring, but we can start to freak out about it once October 19th hits and one of these guys is signed, and we'll be like, okay, so and so is going to be a restricted free agent. Then that is. Um, the, the talking point, I guess. What I want to ask you is if you think any of these three guys are un, are unsigned or not under an extension and they are going to be a free agent going into next season, do you feel like it'll be a
1: distraction at all? I don't think it'll be a distraction. I mean, even I guess Da is the guy where I, I think he has that in him where he wants to prove things wrong, um, prove people and doubters wrong, and he, I, I think he would play well if it's a contract year for real. Um, but I It's it's important to know everything I said earlier about we're not sure where he's going to be at. Like the story from yesterday was Monty Williams right, just telling him, "Hey, you need to show up to training camp in shape." And like to me, that's a we at least want to see you show up to camp in shape. Know that your playoff performance isn't going to get you this next contract completely, and and that you've just grown as a guy who's taking this profession that seriously and i think if he shows up in shape like by all accounts it looks like he is fine i you probably have seen him better in person i've just looked at twitter videos you know just the the taking care of the offseason stuff being ready for the season being ready to run it back i for that guy specifically like trey young luca like i don't you pay those guys immediately as soon as day one um for him i think that's important so i I think this the talks. uh, I'm assuming they've happened are going to kick up here, and you know, as procrastinators, I don't know if you are. I assume you are. I'm a procrastinator. I think you get it done by the deadline. Your assumption is correct. Okay. (laughs) I I think there will be more intense talks in the next few weeks. I think my procrastination has
2: faded with being a professional at something, but um, I. (laughs) Oh yikes! (laughs) Just kidding. You're a professional. Shots fired. Back in school, for sure. Absolutely. 100%. With this, and kind of less screwing around. Yes. But, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I don't really have much to say on it, as everyone can tell. I'm just waiting for it to happen, and we'll see. I think DeAndre deserves the max. We've talked about that a lot. I said before the playoffs that I wouldn't blink at giving Mikel $100 million for four years, and I maintain that stance. I think the most interesting part of the discussion, of course, is if you let one of these guys sit who is the guy who you want to pay now that could be a lot more expensive in a year, that's where Mikel and Shaman come up. Mm. Um, we're going to talk about Shaman a little bit later, but uh, to kind of like tease that part of the podcast, I, he could be a guy that's around here a while, just based on what Monty said and, and Monty's relationship with him, but then that comes down to projecting long-term, how does he fit, all, all this kind of stuff. But I think that's that's the biggest element of this, is which guy because again they're going to be restricted for agents you can just match it the biggest problem is if you think it'll be a distraction
1: for the upcoming season which i kind of agree with you like eh, yeah not Uh, really your point on mikhail is interesting though because i think if you said you have to sign one guy who is it it is him more than da to me from that perspective and a money perspective because... DA's not really... Even if he plays like a, like worse or a little bit worse, like stagnates maybe is the right way to put it, you're still going to pay him a whole lot of money. Yes. Yeah. You're going to pay him a whole lot of money, the center who played 22 games and couldn't get played off the floor by a bunch of different types of teams. Um, yeah. Mikel's interesting, though, from the you worry. What if he gained a lot of confidence and, and becomes an 18-20 point scorer or... or a guy who's mentally capable of doing that more and not just, you know, find to float around and not be aggressive and that kind of thing. What if his mid range game develops? What if he did add weight, huh? We're at the training camp. He added weight portion of this podcast, um, where he is able to defend not only ones, twos and smaller threes, but has put on pounds where he can literally defend small ball power forwards. Like, you don't want to mess with that. You want to pay that guy. And I think from a money perspective, I keep making this, if you follow me on Twitter, very clear. I think the Aaron Gordon contract, what was it? Like I don't remember off the top of my head, ninety million. It was above twenty four ish something Who? per million per year, Aaron Gordon. His yes, contract. Somewhere around there. Um I think eighty two,
2: ninety two. I think
1: it ended at two. Yeah good detail to remember kevin not uh, kellen not the first number but the second number dumb brain okay stupid money though Mikel, if you pay 22 million 24 million something like that per year people look at and say well he averaged 12 points a game and it's like well aaron gordon just got that did the same thing and to me it's a comp just because he's like your fourth offensive weapon he's a very, very versatile defender at different positions, obviously, because Aaron Gordon's a different player, but in the same light, makes the right passes, fits in the offense, fits next to superstars. I think people just look at the points and they're like, that's way too much money. But I think McKell's gonna be worth that. And he's gonna be other teams are gonna be willing to pay him that and more if he has a good season. So I think, yeah, what you said about you don't want him getting to restricted. it. DA's DA is pretty much you're gonna have to pay him yeah to put a bow on this
2: part of the conversation did you react one way or the other to any of the other extensions people were kind of freaking out about MPJ a couple days ago I didn't bat an eye at it no
1: uh his is tough because he just doesn't play defense but also his back was messed up at the end of the year apparently so
2: I don't know his is interesting just because of the it's not necessarily the type of player that he is right now, but it's that part that he has the back history. Right. And I think he said he said on a podcast a while ago that the reason he fell was because it was the Clippers team doctor who said, like, you're never gonna play in the NBA. That's that was one doctor's evaluation, which ooh, rough go for that. Ooh. Fire that man. Better luck next time. His his is interesting just because of how much better he was already like really promising but then he was just outstanding when aaron gordon went out and people can look at the defense and, and all that kind of stuff but 610 guys who shoot 38 39 40 again once you get to 38 or 39 you're talking about really good shooters and he has a chance to be like a 40 to 45 percent guy which is elite at that size he has a guard he has a jumper that no one can guard and he's only just getting started in terms of his offensive development i think there's a while to go but i think they're They're probably just really encouraged by the growth year to year, and I think that probably hasn't been talked about enough with that discussion because I think that from from year one to year two to year three, year one, remember, he wasn't playing at all. Malone was – fans were begging Malone to play him, and Malone would play him in little stretches. But again, the defense, like we saw in the playoffs, that's why he was not playing him. Then you go to year two, um, and and that's where everything really comes together for him, and of course, year three is this one coming up because he missed – all of that first season the injury stuff hasn't come up a ton but again he was dealing with the stuff
1: in the sun series so i mean i I guess we'll see from that front i don't i don't know money's fake anyway kellen as we've learned um that's how the economy works right anyway that's another discussion but it's another discussion for another day okay so (laughs) do you think they get done by the end of the i think i think so i don't see how you could make excuses where you're grappling over a couple million here or there and like you have to you have to get it done somehow i at the same time like i've restricted free agencies set up to do that where you will have an option to keep them no matter what but people <laughs> will poison pill you or do whatever the things that they do and make you really hurt for not getting it done so avoid that that'd be the my advice avoid that We were walking into our studio, which so
2: happens to be right in front of the KTR news desk, which is where you will find my good friend, Taylor Kinnerup. And Taylor said, Kellen, can I make my debut on the podcast? And I was like, sure. You want to talk extensions? No. What do you want to talk to the people about? Are you about to roast your boyfriend, who I am a friend with and feel very conflicted with that you are putting us in this situation?
0: Yes, I do want to roast my boyfriend, uh, mostly because as much as I love him, he should not be financially allowed to make decisions. At all, because he decided to spend $1,500 on basketball cards, the Obsidian ones. But one was a
1: Tyler Hero card, I heard.
2: So are we talking like Top Shot or like regular cards, like regular basketball cards?
0: Regular, run-of-the-mill basketball cards. There are 14, basically more than $100 a pop, just to get a Tyler Hero and a Paul George.
2: Can someone who knows this stuff tweet me and explain if this was good or not? Because it sounds like man's caught an L. And Jordan, you're probably listening. I'm very sorry about catching that L. I mean, how do you even think about basketball cards, Kevin? Isn't isn't it like a potential thing where it's like you hope that they retain value later on? So if Tyler Hero's like a seven-time All-Star, Jordan's
1: just making Jordan, I have bank. a LeBron James dunk from the series against the Suns on top shot. We can work out a deal. Only a thousand bucks. You can have it for that much.
0: <laughs> he's done making dumb financial decisions. This hey, is he's most his own expensive person. Expensive lottery card, and he didn't even have fun with it. I don't understand. Uh, he left one box unopen. I think it was like nine hundred dollars, and he says he's for sure can resell it for that and at least be fine. And he's going to wait for a year. So, if any of you listening to this wonderful, so wonderful you pay podcast, a lot of money
1: for something you don't know what's <laughs> it what it is.
0: Yeah, people are willing to buy it in the future to see what else is out there.
1: It's gambling, basically.
0: It's gambling, but it was gambling he didn't enjoy doing. If he had spent this much money playing blackjack with his friends or poker, would have been a no-brainer. That's fine. He looked like he had a tummy ache. He looked concerned. He did not look like he was having any fun opening the first box.
1: This just sounds like me all the time.
2: (laughs) Before you go, pal... You are known as the Oracle around here because you make random sports predictions that come true. The Raptors were not a <laughs> like heavy pick amongst the experts, Kevin, to win that series in the finals. Here comes old TK in the mix and just says Raptors in... She picked the games too. Six? Was it, wasn't it in six? Raptors in six? She it's said Raptors in six. She sent me Suns predictions in the past. They have come true. All right, Suns fans are waiting with beta breath. What are you predicting for this year, ma'am?
1: Higher numbers are better.
0: Thank you. Uh, so this isn't like golf. Um, I I'm think just I'm trying to save you win. from the mob. 60 plus gate.
2: All right, Taylor. Thank you for coming on. See you later. I would say go to Vegas and get your tickets, but you can just go on your phone right now. Kevin's literally on his phone right <laughs> yeah, now, probably just, betting the Suns uh, yeah, win over 60 right plus. Now. Thanks, pal. See ya. Love
0: you. Love it's you. Over. All
2: right. Got so, that out of the way. <laughs> there we go. Just... Things always happening in this office, you know? You never know what you're going to get. You never know what you're going to get.
1: I don't even remember what we were talking about. I don't know either, but we should Extensions, talk about Devin.
2: Extensions, do them. We yeah. should talk about Devin Booker now, Devin right? Devin Booker. Yeah. Uh, please tweet us if you know about Jordan's cards that he was getting. Obsidian, whatever. He's got a, another Hero, pack open. Paul
1: George, but it's not the one with his jersey, a piece of his jersey or something. I was told yeah. earlier. I thought she was talking about
2: Top Shot at first when she told me about this. So
1: No, it's physical, Uh-oh. so I have no Isn't idea. Isn't that worse?
2: See, I don't know. Someone tweet us who knows. I have top There's got to be someone listening who knows. Okay. Devin Booker. He is out with COVID. Uh, Health and safety protocols was the way that the team described it, and we were able to, again, we talked about this a lot last year. We never knew when guys were out with health and safety protocols. Did they have COVID? Was this because of contact tracing? What exactly? Why are they out? HIPAA, all that stuff. Can't get into it. He goes on his Twitch stream later that day and just confirms to his viewers in the chat, yep, I've got COVID. I've had it for about a week. No taste and no smell, but he said he's straight for the most part. The release says that the Suns will have no further update on his status until he is available to participate in training camp. Uh, We are on Thursday, so this would be the third day he missed. He, He obviously wasn't there for media day either. Is this the thing at all Kevin? Should we
1: be worried about him missing training camp? I think no, I th- save his legs. He played longer than anyone else. Like we I should look this up. More basketball minutes than anyone, maybe Drew or Middleton had more, but like of all basketball players on the planet, he probably played the most basketball last year or something. So, give him another week off. Who cares? He'll be right back in it. That's my I no controversy here. <laughs> I, I had this in my head. I was like, we're going to talk about this for two
2: minutes and agree on that this isn't a big deal. No, Even if he was coming off of like a regular layoff and you were like, okay, guys need to ramp up, he's already ramping up at his house. I guarantee it. He's already getting after it. I don't think there's a very weird segment of fan bases who believe or fans that believe if someone isn't posting workout videos of them on the court that they're not working out. I had people in my mentions actually like suggesting that and book does not post any of that stuff but he is working and DeAndre confirmed that yesterday where he was like he's like the mentality of him is oh I better be ready when book comes in because when book gets here it's serious so he was like i better be ready because he knows he said he's been calling him facetiming him and every time he's been calling him or facetiming him books had a ball in his hand he's got a weight in his hand something like that and that's book is a tremendously hard worker and he just doesn't show it because it's not the type of guy he is
1: some people do show it and then you wonder is that guy for real like chandler <laughs> jones was posting like three workout videos a day and th- yeah. at that point it's like oh i think he's gonna come back and is in shape um but different yeah. strokes for different folks kev yes that's what they say on that front
2: <laughs> Let's get to training camp. Uh, The two main things to come out of this for me and and media day in general, I I don't think there was much. I mean, we talked about a lot how much continuity was going to matter for this team, and we'll get into it going forward. I mean, that's just like the bullet point right there that we can breeze past is that, hey, second year around. Monty said an interesting thing, which was that we had continuity going into last year at the start of last year, but we had a new point guard. So that changes a whole lot. And then Cam and DA both agreed. Cam Johnson were like, yeah, oh, yeah, having the same point guard. The next year really helps. Um, the short layoff, James Jones is saying, hey, actually, short breaks are great because you get right back with the guys. Your conditioning's there. Campaign kind of said the same thing where he was like, I'm kind of already – I, I don't know if – I can't remember how much he insinuated, like, I'm in game shape right now or I'm, like, not that far off or whatever it is, but he was in much better shape than he than he normally – would be at this stage, like for any NBA player, right? Going through it. Um, do you want to talk about that? I th- thought we should just mention it because there yeah. are some
1: of the main things. But I mean, yeah, I think just preseason. I don't even know how much we're gonna get out of it. Honestly, um, it is gonna be getting your legs back under you type stuff. To me, I think what's gonna be super interesting, having not covered a playoff team, is when you hit the regular season. One, how different do the Suns look? Because the Suns are obviously wanting to evolve, get better, really lean on stuff more. But also, what are teams doing to them? Where if they do some, if they're playing something similar to the same way they played in the playoffs, did teams watch them and say, okay, maybe this, what the Lakers did or what the Bucks did against this, did this give us a clue of how to stop them? Um, so just the evolution of people trying to get ahead of the Suns, the Suns trying to stay ahead of their opponents, I think that stuff's going to be really interesting because we talk about this team being really good at working. I'm not really worried about them being like, ha, oh, we made it to the finals, we'll come out and not compete. I'm worried about, not worried even, but just curious how they, oh, this teams are playing, it's completely different this year.
2: Yeah, that's the right way to put it. Uh, Cam Payne had a really cool line when he was, yeah, continuity and everything, but actually it kind of feels like I'm back to day one a little bit because Monty's a wizard with the stuff that he's implementing, and then Cam confirmed everything that we've known about Monty for a while now, which is like, oh yeah, the second that series ended, he was already thinking about, like, obviously he was a wreck, as he said, but... He was already thinking about next year and things to implement. And like things for next year, he was probably already thinking about, like a game 60 of the regular season. Like even before that, maybe. Like things he wasn't able to do because of the amount of things that he had to incorporate that year. It's like once you have that foundation of continuity and everything, you can go so much further. And that's what they're going to do right now. And something that you and I talked about a lot when we were heading into the playoffs and just looking at teams like Utah that have been together for so long, Denver that have been together for so long. This team can start to really get that going forward because I think the thing that people miss from that they say well this young core has come together at the the same time true but Quinn Snyder was there a long time Mike Malone's been there a long time and and now Monty is entering his third year and we can start to group them in that discussion and because of how far they made it in the playoffs we can immediately throw them equal with them with continuity in my opinion because they did it in the trenches in in the Western Conference Finals in the NBA Finals so I think I think that part of it is really important as well. And uh, I am interested to see kind of what wrinkles they go with from here. And they're going to have more places to go. So we mentioned you mentioned D.A. Um, For those of you who don't follow the training camp scuttlebutt every year and preseason, Monty would occasionally from time to time mention DeAndre's conditioning in his first and second years here, which would have been DeAndre's second and third seasons. Mm -hmm. It would come up that he just needs to improve his conditioning a little bit. And again, DeAndre is an incredible physical specimen. He is in great shape compared to just about everyone else, including athletes. But there's that extra gear of, hey, if I need you to play 42 minutes against the Lakers or 45 or play the entire second half, that's like the the, the game shape, I think, that Monty re- references more often than not. And the story goes, Monty texted DA when DA was back home in the Bahamas on vacation. And somewhere in the text, it said, like, I need you in game shape from day one. And DA said his mentality immediately was like, I'm not even on vacation. He was running up and down the beaches of the Bahamas every day to get his cardio going. Monty described his cardio right now as unreal. And it's it's kind of funny that, that that's happening now, Kevin, because they have JaVale McGee behind him who can play 20 minutes some nights if they need him to. But at the same time, that is where he was so impressive last year, right? Because the point that you and I kept coming back to, especially I think in those Lakers series, were like, He's working harder than anyone on the court right now and it's not even close with how much he's running up and down.
1: Yeah, and the the clutch rebounding which he's always been really good at in important moments where that's how bigs win games and you don't see many bigs who it's like that's not a clutch shot, not a clutch, you know, defensive play even which he was doing that, but it was just clutch rebounding where he's just killing the glass. And when you play 40 minutes teams are trying to switch you on the perimeter guys all game not succeeding in doing that and then you're getting those clutch rebounds where it's just will and just using your athleticism and your size um that that showed through i think during the postseason and i don't even remember i don't think he was in great shape yeah last year he definitely wasn't first few years to start the season um
2: yeah the first year was when it was really noticeable yeah. second year it was still a noticeable thing third year and eh, kind of not really and then obviously this year it sounds like we're not even
1: going to see anything at all yeah and it, it, that's great news um it will be interesting just from uh how money handles things perspective how does he get a look at javel like do you just throw him in for a few minutes Um, but but these big games upcoming where you start the season off it's nuggets lakers right it's that's gonna be do you try to give landry Shamit a bunch of minutes to see how he fits or do you just find games down the road for that so it's actually a really interesting schedule
2: we'll get to talking about it but it's mm -hmm. denver la portland and then portland is the second game of back-to-back in portland yeah they go from playing in la to portland but then it's at home sacramento cleveland new orleans houston oh yeah okay so, do it then yeah so i would say against especially you want to do it against the best teams do it against the best teams because even if you go and yeah, to there because you're true. trying stuff you just you're four and two coming out of that because you should handle those four teams pretty effectively and then even after that, Atlanta, which is a tough team, but then Sacramento, Portland, Memphis, Houston, Minnesota, Dallas, Dallas. Yeah. And then I mean, gosh, you go Denver, San Antonio, Cleveland, New York, and then it goes Brooklyn, Golden State, Golden State, Boston, L.A. There, that's where the balance finds itself. But yeah, man, I, I think that they have they have a an opening to try stuff there for sure. And, and with DeAndre specifically, I'm I'm curious to see how his offensive role changes. I wrote about this on ArizonaSports.com. I think it was Gerald Bourget who kind of tweeted it, and and it was one of those things where I reference this kind of when someone hears when you hear someone say something when you're sitting there holding the recorder, or sit, sitting there or whatever, and you're like, oh, and and you you haven't quite heard that from that person before. I hadn't. I don't remember hearing DeAndre talk about before specifically using the word sacrifice. We've heard it a lot out of Monty, a lot out of his teammates in terms of his role. Hadn't heard him mention it, but he did. And it was in reference to some of the people who doubt him. And he was like, well, these people don't understand. I sacrifice a lot, and I've got a lot to my game and that I'm not showing right now. He has referenced a couple of times becoming now more of an offensive threat. Um, now, when he was asked like what he's looking to add to his game, the main thing he said was mainly being a force down low and getting to the free throw line. Um, great answer. That's what great I wrote. I was like, good answer. Love that. Um... I did follow up and just ask him. I was curious about his thoughts on, we can sit here and argue, like should DeAndre be shooting three-pointers or not? But I was curious from him, like how are you approaching maintaining that skill? Because it's not like he's going to sit there and not shoot threes and let this thing go to waste. He should keep taking them because he hit 34% of his 35 attempts at U of A. He has touch on his jumper. He should try to make it better. It shouldn't be a focus or anything, but he shouldn't just sit there and let it get, worse and and not to keep developing it, which is what he's doing. And it sounds like he indicated that parts of their playbook now are going to allow him to pop on three-pointers, which if you remember, Kevin, first half of last season it did as well. He made, I believe, four of his 20 from three uh, and then he just stopped taking them. What are your thoughts on him taking threes? Because I think the important thing I should say before I hand it off to you is that he sounded very aware and made it clear like I'm not going to hunt for them. Yeah. But I'm just going
1: to take them when they're there. I think that's where you take Chris Paul's, like, what he brought, where these guys start to pick up on really small details. And I think there could be, like, a checklist in a game where you say, okay, you can take a three if I see the coverage on the defense is looking like this and they're really clogging the paint. um let's take one here for a really good reason to pull them out, to make them think, to make a guy hesitate or something like that, where, you know, maybe it's a discussion where they talk in the huddle and Chris is like, pop on the next one. We do. I, I think there's a lot of value in that from a schematical sense. Um, or even if you say, if he's good at trailer threes, you're in rhythm, um, maybe atop the key. Cause I think that's his sweeter spot than like corners and stuff. Maybe once in a while, that's again where you see a defense sinking way too much. You need to get in transition more. That's helpful. So one I, dribble
2: for him to get to the rim too from those spots. Yeah. So if he's dribbling a little bit more, which we've do the dribbling we've been talking
1: about, can do it. dribbling. He can do a little dribbling. Yeah. So I, I think there's reason, yeah, um, where you can say, yeah, average one or two a game, and yeah. even if you're shooting twenty five percent through a really small sample size, keep doing it. And that's how you bring it along where you just coach him to make the good decisions to pop and you have a rhythm with Chris or whoever's running the pick and roll. And
2: like one of the best examples I can give of talking to DA enough to kind of get to know his personality from our perspective, at least he joked that his arm was getting sore so much from practicing them and then they weren't shooting them in games. He wasn't shooting them in games. Even he was like, man, like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a thing with him, but to uh, sorry to finish that point. Um, he would say that, but then this is the full quote. I finally took areas, took care of areas where I can find my shots in our offense, not really hunting down the shots, but coach finally put in the play where I can pop out for that three and get more comfortable and comfortable as the season goes on. Very wise. Yeah. Very
1: astute. People also he might end up not doing this at all like yeah he, he because, could not
2: take threes to be clear we're not guaranteeing this I said could
1: yeah in, in the because article the, yeah if you go back to his interviews from like him coming out of high school he's like I can shoot threes yeah. I practice threes all a lot and he does and you go watch him before a game he's he's been doing it every game last year so it's hard to say what you'd, you'd probably have to ask Monty and I don't know if Monty's gonna be like oh yeah we're gonna do this on this but like he's not gonna give that right now we
2: are not going to choose to lather up this podcast in gasoline and find matches around. I don't even want to be in possession of gas and matches when it comes to him talking about whether he's joking or not about what he was joking about in terms of being a big man. You can go find it. I think Jared Bourget tweeted like the full video. Da said stuff like this in the past. It's he we saw how
1: he played in the playoffs. He he doesn't like comparing himself to traditional bigs. Yeah that is his issue and so anytime he says something like that where he what anytime he says someone like,
2: mentions him playing with Javel he's like yeah
1: yeah I can play the four yeah that's where I'm at of course he loves that he hopes yeah. don't think that's going to happen but maybe against the Lakers but Ad is going to play the five they played so. I don't know man they played Frank we kind of forget the Frank and
2: Dario starting like that happened quite a bit yeah. even back to good old Aaron Baines yeah. Baines and Ayton kind of spent a couple of times together uh let's wrap on Landry Shamit. Uh, I wrote a big old deal on ArizonaSports.com on his relationship with Monty Williams, and you and I spent moments of recording from our dark houses late at night during the off season and kind of analyzing that deal, Javon Carter and the number twenty nine pick for Landry Shamit. And as you could tell, I had some skepticism to it, but we all agreed as long as Shamit is a guy who plays in the playoffs and is good in those minutes, it doesn't matter. Like yeah. It doesn't matter that you punted on potentially getting a young piece down the line. Which Shaman could still be, by the way, only twenty four. I was I could have guessed he was twenty six or twenty seven. He was
1: one of those really, really old college guys. But wasn't really, he came out when he was twenty or twenty one. He played three years at Wichita State? I believe and so. Somehow is twenty I don't know how the math is working, but he must have been young. Anyway. He must
2: have like yeah, twenty young junior or something like that, twenty one. Um to that point, Kevin, hearing Monty talk about uh, hearing Landry talk about Monty hearing Monty talk about Landry, Monty flat out said this is a guy we've been trying to get for two years. So that part of my thinking where I was like, oh, like this just so happened to be the team that you could get the pick plus Javon and get like a player back that could fit for you. It's like, no, this is a guy that at least from Monty's perspective they've really wanted for quite a while which makes sense. Their type of player, Monty's type of player. Totally get it. Um, But from that perspective, I kind of looked at it like I'm not even sure if he's like some, someone they're going to consider as a part of their long-term core but after hearing Monty talk about him I and even Mikel when I asked Mikel about the trade and Landry confirmed the, or said this was something Mikel came up to him in the locker room the other day and he was like remember when you were at Wichita State and you were just a point guard and then you were in Philly running around like JJ Redick on catch and shoot threes what's up with that like you can do all this all this stuff like you weren't doing that at Wichita State and to so that point Kevin there is an opportunity for, I don't know what the, I my business 101 already out, in one ear out the other, sunken cost, whatever it is, where Le- Shamit has not had a team correctly utilize him for the skills that we believe that he has. Now, are they translatable? Blah, blah, blah. He was a point guard, like attacking the rim, dishing it off, running through ball screens at Wichita State. He comes in the league and he's just one of the best three point shooters in the league right now, but more of just a catch and shoot guy, one or two dribbles, that's it. If you can find like a little bit of him on the ball, plus the floor spacing and the three point shooting, there's a chance for like a really valuable wing off the bench or guard off the bench, wing guard, and he lands in a place where Monty Williams knows exactly what he does and Monty said. Like we thought of him like that in Philly. But if you think about it, like he was a rookie and like they weren't going to put him on him the ball right away. And he was away. so good. Like, you that's have Ben Simmons, skill. you have Joel Embiid, you have to, like, I can't remember. No, he was traded for Tobias Harris, but they had a lot of on ball guys already.
1: Yeah. I, that's why I think when we were looking at it, I had this weird image of him too. Cause I honestly haven't watched him that much in the NBA and I remember him as a draft, draft prospect more, I guess, where I was like, he can do dribble stuff right. And, So I think people kind of overlooked that they're like campaign still coming back or he's not related to the campaign, whether he's going to come back or not, because you should still bring campaign back. But when you bring campaign back and you have him and they're saying there's opportunity for these more dynamic parts of his game to come out along with his shooting, I think to me, the, it, it goes with what the problem was that I beat on all last year, which was they need more guys who can do stuff off the bounce. And I'm not expecting him to go Kyrie or Steph Curry and break down defenses, but pump fake, take two or three dribbles, penetrate, kick, move the ball. Like, he can do that. I don't see why he can't do that. Um, And that's huge for this team because Javon Carter couldn't even bring the ball up. And and that's where you're upgrading there too. So I, I think there were... Just a lot of reasons for that, and then you again you have campaigns, so suddenly you have a lot more ball handling options. Take pressure off book. Obviously, Chris Paul's aging. We can't get past that. I don't care what, like that just happens, and we don't know when it's going to hit. Alfred Payton was signed for a reason. Alfred Payton was also signed for the same reason. So that's where we are, and I think yeah, when it comes to Shamit, um, what do you say? His uh, Monty said that he would let his daughter marry someone like Landry or something like that. (laughs) Marry a person like Landry. He said that back in uh, 2019. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So all right. So two quotes from Shamit that I think to kind of further emphasize what we're getting to here. If you're not uh, picking up what we're dropping very different stylistically how I've played so far in the NBA as opposed to college it's still there. The tools are still there and it's something I want to be able to show and be able to do. It's exciting. This type type of style of offense will allow opportunities to do that. He went on to kind of say Kevin that Like I I know the way Monty likes to play, and he knows already coming in like how he's going to play in a certain way. But he said he's going to spend training camp, and this is the quote, analyzing things, figuring out, okay, how can I help? In what situations can I fit in and maybe insert myself on the ball? How can I get guys open off the ball using my movement? It's just going to be a feeling out process. I know I have both. I know I can do both, and I will long term. He's very confident that like he can he can do both of those things, and I thought it was really interesting. Even if you don't want to buy the on-ball stock that we're kind of talking about, maybe consider taking the low price right now and seeing potential profit down the line. What I, I found it interesting that he he described getting open off the ball using my movement. That speaks to someone who learned a lot playing in the three on the three teams that he did playing with JJ, and more specifically playing with like Brooklyn last year, where he was never touching the ball basically, and it was like. Kevin Durant or Kyrie probably said like move from the corner to the wing like move from the corner like we saw uh, Bridges and Crowder our friend David Nash was pointing out how a lot more and Zach Lowe had it in his piece too last postseason where he was like the Suns are starting to do this thing where the wing guy slowly crawls up to the top of the key and it gets lost in the off ball defense a little bit he's someone who's very cognizant of that and I want to give him full credit for that too. Um, But obviously, like his situations probably helped him develop that skill a lot better than he would have on a terrible team where he would have been like a lead point guard or whatever.
1: Yeah. And you look at his resume. Don't remember off the top of my head, but playoff experience with a bunch of different, very different teams with stars like the list of stars is like that he's played with. What is it? Paul George, Kawhi. Sixers.
2: He spends his rookie year there at the deadline. He moves to the Clippers and then he's there for two postseasons Then he goes to Brooklyn last year. So Embiid, Simmons,
1: Clipper stars, Kawhi, Paul George, James Harding, three. Kevin Durant, yeah. Kyrie Irving, like he knows how to Nick be Claxton. a role. Nick Claxton, <laughs> nice, one of the best heads of hair in the NBA,
2: IMO. He is going to be the most, the guy that NBA tour is going to be the most up in arms about about not getting playing time, probably because they have yeah. a, they have Paul Millsap and oh. Marcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin and oh, now I'm upset. Yep, sorry, what have you done. Okay, I like him, too. Sad. Happens, though. All right. It's, like, almost noon. I should get down to the facility. Gotta go over. Uh, The new facility, Kevin, pretty dope. Uh, We are gonna be able to, at some point, I believe, uh, hopefully before the start of the season, get a full look around. Obviously, you guys have seen the videos and stuff of, like, a full tour. Seeing it in person, though, um, I mean, just having two courts, first of all. But (laughs) the second court... Being able to like step off of it immediately and just get on a bike within fifteen feet just to get that last ten minutes done of whatever they're doing, uh, and then obviously the ease for them—they're ten to fifteen minutes away from their houses. Some are probably even closer. Um, it's only ten minutes away from here, which I'm excited about, and it's it's pretty sweet, man. Cool being there. The media was let in there for the first time on Tuesday. Uh, obviously with COVID and everything they were being careful and Cam Johnson mentioned that kind of thing. Like it's gonna be easier to get shots up now this year. There are less protocols in place. Like you can imagine, Kevin, like back in the start of uh in like November, December when they were trying to get shots up and the amount of clearance that they probably had to have to get hey, in. Hey,
1: can the COVID tester guy come yeah. in at ten, at
2: 10 p.m. because 'cause I'm bored and I want to get is that what had to yeah. go? <laughs> yeah. Javon Carter was probably on the line a lot oh, with yeah. with, those, with that man, that poor man. <laughs> or or woman. Uh all right, we will go now. We'll be back before or no, gosh, I was going to say before the preseason, but that's in 2 days, Kevin. It's it's coming whether we like it or not. We said that I think at the end of the last episode like this stuff's coming fast. Uh they're in Sacramento on Sunday. It's an um not a traditional NBA schedule in terms of the preseason because they play on a Saturday in Sacramento. Then they're off until Wednesday. Uh, playing home against LA, then they play on Sunday in LA, I believe, and then they're back home Wednesday again against, I believe, Portland. I want to say. So they they play like four games in two weeks, so it's very spaced out. And then they have like a week off from games until they play Denver. So it's kind of weird how this part is so spaced out, but we're rushing the crap out of this. <laughs> it's just a uh, rough spot for them. I hope Jay Crowder is uh, on the ice as much as possible <laughs> because my gosh, poor guy. <laughs> All right, we'll be back next time. See you, everyone.